This is the Evan Hawk Podcast. Uh, welcome to the Evan Hawk, a podcast discussing Star Wars news and Knights of the Old Republic. Today we're joined once again by Jackson from Polkoon's Book Club, and we'll discuss KOTOR's Jedi classes, dish up a smorgasbord of Ben Solo content, spoiler alert for Knights of the Old Republic series and the Star Wars films and TV shows. This is where the hashtag save Ben Solo butterfly emoji begins. So let's uh, let's get started with some of the listener questions that came in. First things first from... At the Dark Crystal meme page, if you were in the world of KOTOR, which Jedi class would you be a part of? Cassie, why don't you get us started? Okay, so in case you're not aware of the Jedi classes in Knights of the Old Republic, there are three. What they are are Jedi Guardian, and Jedi Guardians have blue lightsabers, and they're kind of more the warrior class. And then Jedi Consulars have green lightsabers. They kind of focus more on developing their force abilities and then you have jedi sentinels and they have yellow lightsabers and they kind of focus on like kind of a balance and kind of developing real world abilities like droid repair and all that i've always been drawn to yellow lightsabers i think the right answer should be jedi consular you know but i feel like unless you're yoda you're not a Jedi Consular, you know, so I think I would be a Jedi Guardian with a yellow lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, if any of you all follow like the, the Twitch or see any of all like my visual content, there's a lot of green. And so I would feel bad picking anything other than Jedi Consular. But I think more to it is Jedi Consulars, they they do they ask like a lot of questions like a lot of really good questions about the the force and i i am one to question a lot of things all the time and so i think consular fits really well for me so astrodroid asks what location from kotor would you like to get the disney's galaxy's edge treatment okay i i was thinking about this and if i had to choose one I would say Dantooine because I think it would be kind of easy to do and you could have like crystal caves and like visions of the Star Forge or something. But the more I was thinking about it, if you were kind of adapting Knights of the Old Republic, you could have kind of like a little bit of an experience or a ride and like each of the planets. You wouldn't have to have like each planet be huge but just kind of distinct and then like that way it's like I don't know it kind of reminds me of like Epcot or something and it's like you have all the different nations represented and then maybe like kids or people you could do like a little bit of a scavenger hunt with an app or something and like be like you've unlocked this for the Star Forge you know and then like 
have them all represented, but that's probably, you know, me dreaming pie in the sky. So I'd say Dantooine, but not that a movie would necessarily need to have every single world that the Knights of the Old Republic game had, but I think just kind of having the variety would be more visually interesting and interesting for the story. And I think you could have a lot of fun with a Star Forge there too. I think the Disney parks can get pretty hot. And so I'm just, I know it's a tall order, but they could, uh, they can realize Hoth and uh, they give us a nice good break from all the hot weather. If I were to pick from a uh, Knights of the Republic, I think we've kind of talked about this before, but I think the Star Forge would be really cool to work in there somehow, whether it's a ride or like how they set up a shop or something. I think that'd yeah. be a cool setting. Yeah. And some behind the scenes of the Ebon Hawk is a title for our podcast. The runner up was Star Forge podcast, but we ended up going with Ebon Hawk podcast uh, because we thought like Star Forge, where we talk about Star Wars was a bit too much. Who knows? Maybe we'll spin off and have a Star Forge podcast too. Uh, lastly, uh, Ironic Thought Designs asks, what Star Wars impressions do you like to do? Oh, and they want us to do it on the show. All right, Cassia. Okay. Um, I have two. Um, I've been listening a lot to the Blast Points podcast, and sometimes they do impressions of George Lucas. So maybe I'll try to do an impression of the Blast Points host doing an impression of George Lucas. Would that be impressionception? Is that three levels of impressions? Or would someone have to do an impression of me? We'll figure that out. But Star Wars is about love. It's about being good to people. Do good to people. Be selfless. Be good. And then um, I like to take the um, Luke Skywalker in episode four. When he's complaining to Uncle Owen, I always loved doing that impression growing up. So here is my angsty, whiny Luke Skywalker. But I was gonna go to Tashi Station and get some power converters! So it's not really how Mark Hamill says it, but it's fun to, you know, take it up to an extreme. So, so what impressions do you have, Coden? Uh, I don't know if I can pull it off on this on mic, but it depends on how sick I am, whether I could do a good like Yoda or a good Emperor Palpatine, but I have to be like pretty sick. My friends always make fun of me because sometimes I just like walk in a room and they can hear like a eh, eh, and then they're like, what are you Yoda now? Sometimes I could pull off a pretty good like Emperor or it's like the force is strong with you. I mean, as you can see. We really missed our callings and should have gone into drama. So, <laughs> so yeah. What about you, Jackson? Can you pull off a Star Wars impression off the cuff? There's a couple I could maybe try. I can I can try with the Anakin. I don't like sand, which is always a crowd pleaser. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating, <laughs> and it gets everywhere. That's one that I like. And then I sometimes try to like. Talk in a Kylo Ren, Ben Solo type voice, but I yeah. don't like to actually say stuff that he actually said. Oh, so yeah. I like to pretend that Ben Solo writes slam poetry in his, um, you know, in his downtime. I wrote this poem. It's called The Scavenger. <laughs> it's what I think that he would 
do when he's, you know, up yeah. late at night at like 3 a.m. I mean, just if... writing poetry about Ray. Yeah, I definitely see Ben writing poetry. I mean, like, you see in uh, The Last Jedi, he has, like, a calligraphy set, so he probably, I don't know, carried that over. Thanks, guys, for those questions. Let's move on to our next topic, The Merry Rise of Skywalker by Ian Dosher. So this year has brought many, many things to the world, but... One of the better things it has brought to us is William Shakespeare's The Merry Rise of Skywalker by Ian Dosher, Star Wars Part the Ninth. What were some of your overall thoughts, Jackson? I really like these adaptations because if you're if you're not familiar with Shakespeare, so obviously they talk in like a archaic type language, kind of, but that it's also um because of the medium in that it was a play, a lot of times in Shakespeare, the actors have monologues where they kind of uh, give the audience some insight into what they're actually thinking. So, like, for The Rise of Skywalker, it works really well to have these monologues for Rey and especially um, Kylo Ren. It gives a little more context to things. So even though these stories aren't, like, technically canon, so to speak, they do give more more of an insight. So if you go back and watch the movie, it makes it a little better if you can uh, like imagine these thoughts going through the characters' heads. When I was reading this, just like the first few pages, I'm like, okay, this is my personal head canon for episode nine. I kind of ended up preferring this to the movie. There's nothing from the books that is it. not in the movie, so it's not like it's so it's not like rewriting it. It's just taking. The sub, like the subtext yeah. and really expounding upon it so that's yeah. you know and like sometimes the novels do that but usually the novels try to like the novelizations try to tread very close to the movie because they don't want to like it's not like it's not their story at in the um, end of the day but this one it's given a little more freedom because it's okay. not technically canon so it's yeah can kind of and explore it... things a little more I've always, like, sometimes when I have extra time and I'm at a bookstore, I would just be looking at all of the different uh, Star Wars books. I do have um, Star Wars Verily A New Hope. This year I've just been he hearing a whole lot about, like, I should be getting The Merry Rise of Skywalker, and I'm glad I did. I ended up seeing Rise of Skywalker three times, and I think that... The Rise of Skywalker, it was kind of trying to be two films in one. And it, just like one of the genres was probably unintentional. Like it's the genre I call it's just rushed and there's no time for anything. And I kind of feel like The Rise of Skywalker was trying to make everyone happy. It was kind of like Quadrant 4 tested. But then I think like in some ways and it's trying to make everyone happy, it kind of made no one happy. But I feel like this adaptation really strengthened the text and the experience that was there and just kind of made me kind of see more connections and more characterization than was realized in the movie. I mean, I was I was pleasantly surprised in how they handled basically the main characters, Ray and, Ray and Ben Solo. I think that they did a really good job of grasping who those characters were. And obviously they're, you know, it, it's different because in like a book, you want to capture the person's voice 
Whereas in this, you're not really capturing the person's voice because of it's in like a Shakespearean type way. So you're capturing more so the character's essence. Ian did a good job of capturing Ben and Ray's, really their character and kind of explaining things. And it goes, you know, we're talking mostly about Ben Solo in this podcast, but I felt he did a really good job with Ray as well, kind of showing like in her monologues and stuff, like her feelings of being alone and her feelings of not really knowing her place in the story, so to speak. So it, it was, it was really nice to kind of see that because, you know, in the movie you get like, you get those expressions and the subtext, but it's sometimes nice to have it like, to have what you're seeing in the film kind of validated by somebody else. And that's kind of, that's kind of what I probably like most about this adaptation. Because in The Rise of Skywalker, when Kylo becomes Ben, the only Ben only says ow. And I just always thought that was a waste when you have Adam Driver playing this character for his only word after he turns to the light side to be ow, you know? And but in this one he gets I guess would it be a soliloquy? When he turns, yeah, like yeah, yeah, that's what because I, I found that's what that call it, yeah. uh, after he talks to after Kylo talks to Han and just that whole speech, like that's one of the scenes that even though I'm kind of like, is Han Solo a memory or Force Ghost or what's going on? It's just both of those actors acted in that scene like so powerfully and just like to to kind of read it, it was. It, in this form just very powerful and just kind of when he has his soliloquy it's just it's it's just touching and it's powerful and I just wish something was in the movie like this you know but I guess uh did, did you want to read part of it yeah so I have a little a short passage from it so this is right after um so this is right after uh, Han disappears and this is when Kylo throws his lightsaber into the water so he after he throws it this is like the this is part of the soliloquy saying the work begins now as I proceed to Exegol to face the Emperor defeating him must be the initial deed in making up for Kylo Ren's foul works the name does leave a rotten taste inside my mouth what vanity to, to turn away the name my loving parents proffered me no evil knave, no longer Kylo Ren. I turn away from who I was then. From now, I am I am a solo once again. And I know like in a movie, you're supposed to show more visually rather than have characters saying everything they're feeling. But I think like something like that, or if he could have just talked to Ray, you know. It would have been weird to have him like, you know, kind of, turn turn to the camera and like say all that but it does like the reason why we read adaptations of the movies when they come out is so we can get that extra characterization you can kind of get inside the person's head which you can't get into someone's head in like a movie so that was my favorite scene that's one of my favorite scenes from all of star wars you know the scene between han and han and kylo and then just having this you know aside kind of makes that scene even better because it's like oh this is like in my head this is like his thought process after he threw you know the lightsaber into the water like he's like yeah I've been I've you know done terrible things but I'm gonna start atoning for it and it kind of 
you know, kind of plays into the living atonement yeah. thing, which I would like to see in Star Wars, you know, that we didn't, unfortunately, we didn't get yeah. to see with Ben, or at least we haven't got to see it yet. So I kind of, yeah. I kind of like that it kind of plays into that. We talked about this in episode 15, like, I understand Darth Vader had to die, but it seems like everyone who falls to the dark side, like, even if they ended up becoming good people or kind of turning from the dark side, it's like, well, you're dead now, you know? Like, you see it kind of like with Asajj Ventress, uh, the second sister, and now with, like, Ben Solo. Like, I just want someone to, like, have to... Like, I don't want the message to be, like, if you did bad things, you can try to become better than die, you know? It would just be nice to see someone become better yeah. and stay alive. It is kind of, like, disappointing that the only time we've really seen some type of yeah. living atonement is, like, Callus and Rebels, you know, which is, yeah. which is like, really cool to yeah. see, but it's also, like, you know, it's kind of yeah. disappointing that for a, you know, the franchise is about redemption a lot you know like the whole reason why you go back and make the prequels is to show yeah anakin's fall which sets up his redemption so it's kind of like yeah. the six movies if you're looking at the six movies it's all about redemption and it's kind of disappointing that in the new stories that we've been given we haven't really been able to see redemption plus atoning for it so and it's kind of you know it's it's hard to do living atonement because you have to have yeah. a longer form story so to speak because you can't just be like all right well i helped every like i helped people once so now i'm good to go so it has to be kind of a like a longer form story where you can kind of show how that person deals with things so yeah. and i think that's kind of what the mandalorian's trying to do because we've seen lots of hints in season one that like mando's not actually was not actually a good person when you know the show began but is slowly becoming a better person so i think that's kind of maybe maybe that's where we get our living atonement from if we get more explicit details about yeah what let's hope he actually did I, in his past. i'm pumped for the season two one thing that surprised me it's been years since i read romeo and juliet but there was a whole lot of Romeo and Juliet, especially in the beginning, where Kylo is, says, Two rivals, both alike in dignity, among the planets where we lay are seen, yet only one shall rule the galaxy. And then it just kind of goes on to keep on saying three more times in his opening, Two rivals, both alike in dignity, two rivals, both alike in dignity. And then when you kind of go towards the end where it looks like Rey died after uh, defeating Palpatine. Can I copyright and French Shakespeare? Is he before copyright? I don't know. So Ben, he climbs into the throne room and stumbles to Rey's side, sitting next to her. So soon turned ally Rey and too soon gone. Why art thou yet so fair? Shall I believe that unsubstantial death is amorous, and that the lean of horrid monster keeps thee here in dark to be his paramour? For fear of that, I still will stay with thee, and never from this palace of dim night depart again. 
here, here will I remain with worms that are thy chambermaids. And then, oh, here will I set up my everlasting rest and shall the yoke of inauspicious stars from the world-wearied flesh eyes look here last. And then he takes her in his arms and he puts one hand on Ray's side and transfers life to her through the force. And she wakes up and like... That's kind of just, like, a lot of that was just, like, quoting word for word Romeo and Juliet. And I was like, I remember a whole lot more of that than I think, because it's, it's really been years since I've read it. But um, after, you know, the whole uh, Raylo kiss, she kisses him, they smile at each other, and then Ben says, Thus from my lips by thine my sin is purged. I'm like, man, like, they even, like again, reference, you know, Romeo and Juliet. So it was fun to see. I heard a, um interview with Ian Dozier on, he was on the um, What the Force podcast talking about this book. And he was saying that when he, when he first saw the scene of, you know, Ben and Ray, where Ben kind of comes and finds Ray alone, but dead, like that's, you know, that's, there's so many Romeo and Juliet parallels already there. You know, obviously, you know, one of them lives, which is, you know, spoiler what? alert, not no, like, you know, Romeo and Juliet. So he kind of saw that and then kind of tried to weave that in throughout his um, adaptation. I'm, I'm really glad that uh, Ian really tapped into that because I, I think it just kind of links it to Shakespeare and something substantial to to this adaptation. Yeah, I think it, I think it kind of like refocuses it because every time... You know, I'm still, like, I wanted to see Ben live. So every time I kind of see it, I still get kind of, like, you know, annoyed that he died. So I kind of linger on that and not kind of looking for deeper meaning or, like, more of, like, a, yeah. you know, mythological storyline kind of or thread. Yeah. So I, I kind of like the that it's kind of rephrased like that. So it, I kind of, you know, look at it differently and can see it on a different level. Ben dies, and then Ray kind of just has a line about it, and like I, I would have liked Ray to have like a soliloquy or a side or something a bit more than that. But I guess it's like the ending of the book; they don't want to like drag on or like make it kind of more depressing. They want her to be in a triumphant position, but. Still, like, I was like, oh, he just died, and she, okay, just one line, that's all she needs for, like, her forced dyad bond mate. Okay, so, <laughs> alas. Ben's dead, now I'm just, you know, I'm wearing Luke's helmet, I'm smiling, just going to visit my friends, and I was like, okay, that seems, you know, a little, uh, dissonant. But, yeah, I guess what were some of your other favorite parts, what, what kind of stood out to you? It's like this in all of them, but um, I like when Mace Windu has his like one line. He references yeah. he references one of his movies, which is what he does in every single of these Star Wars adaptations. Every every line that he has, he drops the name of one of the ten billion movies Samuel L. Jackson has been in. So I kind of liked that he that they dropped um that they dropped one of it one of his movies in there. So I, I thought I thought that was really cool. That doesn't really yeah. mean anything overall, but I like those little Easter eggs. And then I really liked Ray's closing monologue that she had when she was on Tatooine. 
kind of she kind of goes into like it's kind of like a mini recap of what of like her journey so far and it kind of sets her up on her next journey and i kind of like that you know you get that you get that in the movie but i kind of that you know she's built her new lightsaber now she's ready for like the next chapter in her life but i kind of like it more laid out as it is in the um rise of skywalker i was watching finding joe yesterday it's kind of a bit more contemporary than the power of myth and what they're kind of saying is like you want to when you're setting out on a hero's journey the desire is really to complete the circle but then you kind of like to have the circle a bit open because in life we're always kind of creating new versions of ourselves we kind of complete one journey and then there's always kind of another journey to go on so i kind of did like that that it's like she's kind of just at the beginning you know of her story and we've kind of just seen one part of it so i kind of ended up liking this version more and i also just like the the art where bb8 is wearing a little cape and hat and it was just very pleasant you know yeah but, yeah who doesn't yeah i <laughs> who I doesn't want to put a hat on yeah. bb8 <laughs> one thing i ended up liking a detail is like poe kind of his lines they always kind of reference um edgar Allan poe yeah he does that in all the um the sequel trilogy yeah. adaptations it, it, he references edgar Allan poe <laughs> they gave chewy lines well like it says, you know, for his lines, it's just like, you know, it gives like a little asterisk and kind of shows yeah. what like Chewie's actually saying. And I thought that was really cool. When first. Chewie gets the medal, it's not just like, all right, shut up, fanboys. He got a medal. You know, it's more like this medal means something to him because it was Han and Leia's, you know, like it was the medal rewarded to Han and Leia kept it with her. And it's kind of just, like, the last link he has of his friends. Funnily enough, like, in the expanded universe, Chewie was the first one to die. But in this canon universe, like, he outlives everyone. And it's kind of sad, but, yeah. It's really hard to write Chewie because he doesn't have mm -hmm. anything to say. So killing Chewie, like, if you're going to yeah. kill someone, killing Chewie adds more weight yeah. to a story. So I think that's kind of yeah. why he died, but it yeah. it always made sense. Like the person who can live to be like nine hundred years old, why don't we let him live to be nine hundred years old? So if he wanted to tell a story in like you know fifty years, Chewie yeah. could still be alive, and it makes sense. Whereas like yeah, you couldn't have like yeah. a really really old you know yeah Obi Wan yeah because <laughs> that wouldn't make any sense. Personally, Rise of Skywalker isn't my favorite, but just reading this, it made me appreciate it more. And just this version really digs into the characters. You kind of get to understand all the characters more. And the interactions kind of have more characterization and weight. And I think that's kind of just like a vehicle of like Shakespeare. You know, it's a play you get into people's heads more. I definitely recommend this. Like I didn't really enjoy The Rise of Skywalker as much as I was hoping to. And this kind of really helped me it was kind of a cathartic experience so you know it's it's a pretty quick read it's not like reading the novelization which can be like kind of a longer read yeah. like this is probably like a three and a half hour read or maybe yeah. maybe even like a, a little less it's 
it's $15 and the cover art's beautiful. So, I mean, I think it's worth picking up. It's just some good Shakespearean Star Wars goodness. And I mean, what else are you going to do in 2020? Everything else is canceled. So give it a read and let us know what you think. Yeah, let's uh, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with our next topic going over the Ben Solo series rumors. Welcome back, everyone. Let's uh, let's get right into our next topic, the Ben Solo series rumors. So um, there's a particular rumor that claims that Kylo Ren has a spinoff project in early development. The project could be either a, a series or a movie, and it seems most likely that it would be centered around the Ben Solo story before he became Kylo Ren, uh, making it a prequel to The Force Awakens. The report goes on to state that there is no evidence of like the sequel trilogy star Adam Driver reprising his role as Ben Solo, uh, meaning the project could be animated or possibly feature a younger actor in the role of Ben Solo. So, turn it to you guys. When do you think it could take place? I think it would probably take place before The Force Awakens because I think there's more, you kind of have more freedom in that area and room to develop the characters uh when do you think it would take place jackson i personally would like to see ben's story post the rise of skywalker but i think for like a show it would probably be beforehand so yeah i i think they should probably let some time pass before they because like if you're not going to have adam driver in it i don't think there's a reason to like rush into it i think give people some space kind of like you know five years or ten years you know kind of like if we would have seen an obi-wan show right after revenge of the sith it'd be like oh cool like that's fun but if we you know seeing the obi-wan show you know 17 years after revenge of the sith is kind of like a bigger deal so i think if you're gonna go back and you're gonna recast somebody into the role i kind of would prefer to wait to like you know a couple of years before actually seeing it. Yeah, there's a lot of room to work in that story, so I, it would be it would be a lot of fun. Breathing room probably is good after uh, the sequel trilogy. Like after any trilogy, really, like you kind of don't want to rush into any story. You kind of want to let it like sit. Like you're kind of like kind of have a firm close, and then you can reopen uh, the story later. You know. But, I mean, I definitely would prefer to see Ben Solo's story after Rise of Skywalker, but just me kind of thinking, like, what would actually happen is I think it would just kind of be a prequel to The Force Awakens. But maybe even if it, like, takes place before The Force Awakens, it doesn't mean they could, like, jump to the future, like, in a finale or something, you know? Yeah, I think think Ben Solo, I mean, Ben's story would be told probably with Ray's story so like if you ever did like a Ray spinoff that would be where you would continue Ben Solo's story if that makes sense because you can't really yeah I mean they're a dyad so 
it make it makes sense. It would be it would be fun to see Ben Solo's story beforehand, but it would also it it's kind of difficult if you did live action because Luke's involved in that. So it's like, how do you how do you really want to go about doing a younger ish Luke? You know, there's a lot of questions that a live action show would kind of bring up there. I definitely think it would be a series rather than a movie because Disney's really trying to make Disney Plus a big thing right now. Uh, so they're trying trying to fill it up with original content and just kind of be the new Netflix, you know? I don't think it would be live action uh, because I don't think people would want to see a different version of Luke that's not Mark Hamill or it's not, you know, Adam Driver. I think an animated series, you could maybe have Mark Hamill, because he's a prolific voice actor. And if not, I think people would be okay with a different voice actor for Luke, because it's a younger Luke. He's kind of older right now, you know. And you can kind of do more, show more, for less money sometimes than it would take to make a compelling looking live action show. I personally would rather see a live action, but I know that it would be extremely difficult to make it happen because I think with the the public reception of the sequel trilogy, at least among the kind of the hardcore Star Wars fans, that I think if it wasn't hard to get Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford, is like especially on board with the sequel trilogy, it'd be even harder now to get them to come back for a prequel, just because of how the sequel trilogy kind of portrayed them and kind of how Mark Hamill kind of disagreed with his portrayal of Luke. So I think that it'd be easier and more realistic to do an animated show. But I think for me personally, I would be less interested in watching an animated prequel of Ben Sold in a live action. Yeah, I mean, you're always more interested, I think, in like live action than you are in animated, but yeah. you can still you can still tell really good stories in animation as well as, you know, live action. At the same time, like I like the idea of waiting a while to even approach it because, uh, again, looking at my own perspective, I want to see new Star Wars stuff that is new kind of like the the high republic like i would like to see that live action and not like a visual novel style and say if that was in the works of kind of doing a, a completely original look at star wars live action and then it just kind of out of nowhere they kind of went oh we're gonna tell a prequel about kylo ren and be like oh but i don't want to see something new that's kind of where my mindset would be and so it would almost be like a roadblock to seeing like a better potential Star Wars project that's being held back by trying to capitalize off of what's already out there. I agree. I kind of wonder if this, how likely this is to happen and how soon, but one reason I think it could happen at some point in the future is I think Lucasfilm does re recognize that Ben Solo, Kylo Ren is the character that I think was kind of like Kylo Ren and Ben Solo was the character that many people, it was their favorite in the sequel trilogy. And I think they see it as a, an opportunity to develop that more. 
And I think uh, with Disney Plus, they, they're trying to generate as much original content as they can. Because I, I remember a few years ago, I was kind of like, why is Disney like green lighting like all of these remakes of their content like Lady and the Tramp and like having like all these different like proposed projects like I didn't realize that Disney Plus was happening and that's why they were making all of them is so they have like content day one you know and like stuff they can build into and I think that's why a lot of other a lot of other streaming services that are trying to launch right now are are trying to be the Mandalorian because the Mandalorian is a big hit you know that's why you're getting the Zack Snyder cut, you know? And it's not just going to be a movie. It's going to be, like, a four-part movie, you know? Because they want people to tune in each week and keep the subscriptions. So, I don't know. It's just interesting to see all this streaming service platform content being created and what that means for everything. Yeah, and I think they're still kind of exploring what streaming means for Star Wars, you know, yeah. so it's there. I, you know, with these, the thing is you get all these rumors like, oh, they're in pre-production for this, for this, for this. And it's like pre-production is kind of just yeah. means like something being in pre-production doesn't mean that it's, that it's even far down the stage of like, what would this actually look like? So it doesn't surprise me that yeah. they would be looking at this, but I don't, I don't think it's something that would be imminent. I think they're, I think they're going to let, let breathe a little bit before they go back and into that era and tell stories. It's one of those ideas that brings me back to the promotional material for like The Force Awakens, especially where there was all of this set up for all these like little flashes of why Kylo is bad or or like the buildup of the Knights of Ren that was in these little flashes in the movie The Force Awakens. And then we just never really saw it. We were just kind of expected to know that the Knights of Ren were Kylo's like little knights. And then that Kylo was just set up to be the bad guy. And coming from someone who never read any of the Disney novels, partly because of the kind of the bad taste of the, the legends becoming legends and then being replaced by the Disney novels. But it, it just kind of brings me back to like, yeah, this is, this is nice that there's talk of, a, a prequels of Kylo Ren Ben Solo but it's some things that could have had more attention in the sequel trilogy and should have been part of the sequel trilogy yeah in, in my perspective in my opinion I guess yeah it's it's tough because I think they wanted to kind of reset it kind of like they did with the original trilogy and you didn't know anything about Darth Vader so I think they kind of wanted to start the sequel trilogy kind of in that vein but it's kind of tough because it's hard to put us put ourselves in perspective of what it was like to watch the original trilogy before we knew who Anakin was. So going and watching, you know, The Force Awakens, all you want to know is like, who's the guy behind the mask? How did Han and Leia's kid end up like that? You know, how did this whole thing happen? And that's kind of, you know, what you want to know. And, you know, you, you know, the, we care a lot about you know Han, Luke, and Leia, and it's like so. Of course, we're going to care about their kid, and we want to know how all that happened. So it makes sense, but I kind of get why it's not in the movie, the like the Force yeah. Awakens. I guess we can 
take a, a quick uh, transition break and then we'll move on to our final topic. So just moving on with the Rise of Kylo Ren comics. This is kind of like my short pitch on why you should read Star Wars comics and especially the Rise of Kylo Ren comic series. It's only a four-part miniseries, which is a pretty small series for a comic. Mm -hmm. For like comics, usually like, you know, the Darth Vader series is usually run like 25 comics. So this Kylo Ren comic is pretty small, but it does show the events of what happens at Luke's temple when the um when the Jedi temple burned and it shows it all but it shows it all from Kylo's perspective and it's really it's really interesting and kind of gives voice to the subtext of what we see in the last Jedi so i really enjoy it and it really Charles Soule if you've read any of Charles Soule's comics he does a great job of like exploring characters and giving characterization to people especially um Darth Vader and he he he's done a great job with Lando in the um Lando miniseries and the um the current Star Wars mainline comic. There's some quotes in in the um Rise of Kylo Ren series that I thought were really interesting and they kind of really explain Ben Solo better than I think, you know, any lines really could and why he's kind of so intriguing and basically why he fell. So he has he has these lines in the comic series when he's um, confronted by one of his fellow Jedi about you have like one of his fellow Jedi says, you know, you have a choice to be, you know, to be better. And this is kind of what uh, Ben says. He says, choice. I have no choice and never did. Even my name isn't a choice. The dark side and the light side both claimed me for their own the moment I was born. Do you know how that feels? Whether it's Luke Skywalker or Snoke. Neither one sees me as a person. I'm just a legacy, a set of expectations. I really enjoyed that because it kind of gives, you kind of see how he always feels alone. And you get that, you get that especially in like The Last Jedi. Like he's looking for belonging, but he doesn't know, he doesn't feel like he belongs on either side. So I really enjoyed it. And there's a bunch of great stuff like that in the, in the miniseries. So I would definitely check that out if you haven't really good Ben Solo content. Yeah, I think Charles Soule, he is one of the best writers and creators in Star Wars right now. I haven't read uh, his Darth Vader comics like cover to cover yet, but I definitely keep myself up to date with them. And I've been intrigued by the rise of Kylo Ren. I kind of search like what happens in them. I just haven't like bought them yet kind of because I'm a person who reads like 30 books at a time but I've been very impressed with his Darth Vader run and the rise of Kylo Ren I think handles the character of Ben Solo Kylo Ren better than the sequel trilogy did and I realize like some of it it's like it's not quite like Ben's story but I kind of think it should have been I know there is some like subtext throughout the sequel trilogy but 
I just think a lot more people, if they would have known, like, that Ben Solo was kind of cornered into falling to the dark side and really just framed, like, I don't think he chose the dark side. The dark side chose him. Like, I think a lot more people would, would have been open to his redemption if this would have been, you know, like, textual rather than subtextual throughout the sequel trilogy. The problem with how the sequels were presented, which, I mean, it's a choice. It's I don't know if it's a problem, but um, it's basically it's the sequels are shown through Ray's perspective. So you get to see Ben, but you get to see what she sees in him, which is good, but it's also you're not getting all this stuff. That's why the comic's really good, because it's like our first and really only piece of you know media that's told exclusively through his eyes so it makes yeah. it's you know it's definitely worth a read if you're if you're into um ben solo kind of like how the the merry rides of skywalkers worth a read if you're you know into that as well some parts i really liked from this run like i haven't read it but I, i've seen it and, and like i'm aware are you have ben solo as like luke skywalker's padawan and he's very I don't know, kind of protective of Luke. Like, you should show respect to him. He's a, a great Jedi Master, you know? You get the feeling that he's always... It's cool because they get... There's three different Jedi characters in it, and they all have different, like, distinct personalities that kind of highlight a personality trait in Ben. So seeing them interact with him, you kind of get a better idea of who Ben is, how he's always feels like there's expectation on him because of his name like he's the only character who's connected to basically everybody in star wars like he's named after obi-wan he's the grandson of anakin and padme you know his uncle's luke skywalker he's son of han and yeah han and leia so it's like you kind of dig into like well what would it mean to be like related to like everybody so it's really interesting i really enjoy it like harry potter and how like he joins Hogwarts and everybody just knows him as the chosen one. And so it's like everywhere he goes, like, oh, you're the chosen one. You're going to defeat Voldemort. And then, like, you know, Anakin is the same way going through the uh, Jedi Temple Jedi upbringing. And everyone's just like, oh, he's the one who's supposed to bring balance to the Force. And, like, just these massive expectations that kind of, like, influence later events. Some of the comics take place when he's, like, they show him throughout his life. So some of them take place when he's, like, younger. So it kind of gives, like, a perspective of, like, well, what would it be like for, like, a 13-year-old to have those expectations on him? Because, like, we don't really get to see that in Anakin's story in, like, any canon. So it's kind of interesting to see that, that part of Ben Solo's story. Yeah, I think it's something we see a lot in Star Wars is Anakin had a whole lot of expectations thrust upon him. And in Knights of the Old Republic, uh, Basila Shan had a lot of expectations placed upon her. So usually, spoiler alert, it, it ends in someone falling to the dark side. It was just so frustrating. Well, not frustrating, but it was just so sad to see that, that in The Last Jedi, I think a lot of people just assumed that when Ben fell to the dark side after Luke kind of woke him up, you know, and was going to attack him for a second, and then he didn't. A lot of people thought that Ben was the one who set fire to the Jedi Temple, but it was actually, I think it was Palpatine. 
it's not explicitly laid out how that happened even in like okay. even in the um comic it's not it's not laid out exactly how it happens it's just like it's it's kind of like well did ben cause that like with his emotions you know it's kind of left up to like the reader's interpretation and i kind of kind of like that sometimes yeah that's why you build osha compliant places and you don't build huts because they'll just you know with all the firewood <laughs> yes yeah so so yeah it was interesting to see more from the knights of ren because in in the sequel trilogy like they're kind of just there to promote funko pops as well and but here they kind of have a bit more of a personality and i think what is the head um knight of ren is his name just ren he's just he's just he's just the ren so like when you're like the leader i guess you're just like incorporate okay. ren kind of like if you become king you're king you know then name they kind of remind me of um padme's handmaidens in a way and like a, like they're kind of faceless almost like like Padme's handmaidens are supposed to be like, you know, faceless. They all look the same, but they kind of have their own individual personalities and they mean something to the head of them. So it was kind of interesting to get that like fleshed out a little more. They did a whole lot more here than I think they ever did in the sequel trilogy. And it was kind of interesting to see Ben's undercover, like, I'm going to wear all black outfit after the incident at the Jedi Temple. And one thing I noticed is, like, his lightsaber holster was on his back, kind of like you see in The Rise of Skywalker, uh, how he, like, reveals he has it behind his back. So that was kind of a cool detail. That was a nice so. touch. Then when he falls to the dark side, I thought it was kind of haunting that, like, Rey sensed it, even though she was, like, I think, like, 10 years old. On Jakku, like she says, I feel cold all of a sudden. Like, I thought that was a nice haunting touch. Right, like it was like ripples in the force, like kind of like when Yoda falls during Order 66 when he's, you know, on Kashyyyk. It's like feel it. And that was, it was a nice touch. So yeah, um, I'm definitely going to read this. Has it been released like as like a whole um, series or is it? Yeah, yeah, you can get the trade paperback now. So you can okay. usually get them at like your local comic book store or just like, I know like Barnes and Noble has them as well. So it's definitely yeah. worth it. It's, it's not a, it's not a long read, but I, it's one that I've revisited multiple times since it's all come out. So that's, you know, yeah. it's definitely worth it. It's definitely, it's definitely on my radar. Charles Soule has been a gift uh, to the Star Wars canon and i'm very excited to see what he brings to the high republic next year as well yes that'll be very exciting so, so one sentence pitch why should someone read this because you get to see more from ben's perspective here than anywhere else okay do you think this could be ripe material for maybe a possible ben solo series Yes and no, because it kind of like the way it's the way it's done. It's done in a way to kind of like show the highlights, or like to show like this is what's like really important. It's like if you showed, it's basically like if you showed Anakin's fall, but you just did like okay, he was like a slave, and then like 
he won a pod race and then Qui-Gon died and then, you know, he fell in love and then he fell to the dark side. So it's kind of like it's giving you just what's on the surface. So like you can build a lot around what is in the comic. So yeah, I think it would be a good basis because it doesn't show you everything, but it shows you enough for you to understand what all happened. Yeah. Maybe that would have been a little bit better for Anakin because, you know, some of that dialogue. (sighs) But, I mean, the funny thing about Anakin's dialogue is the ones people don't like the most, it's the ones people can recite from memory and quote the most. So it's kind of funny. But, yeah, that's a a good pitch. And I should read it. Coden should read it. We should all read The Rise of Kylo Ren. To wrap up, though, um, Jackson, where can where can people find you? Yeah, um, so just follow me on Instagram at Plo Koon's Book Club. So I basically just talk about books that I love there, Star Wars comics. So, yeah, that's kind of where I, you know, I mainly focus on Star Wars books and comics, but I don't try to spoil anything. So if you're interested in Star Wars, I think my page is pretty good to follow. We've always liked your page, and uh, we were glad that we could have you on again to talk all things, you know, Ben Solo and some good books, you know, that have come out. So it was great to have you on again. So you're the first to re-return, you know, so. Well, that is good. Thank you. So you can find us on Instagram at Podcast. And the Evan Hawk podcast can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out. And if you ever need help finding uh, where to listen to our podcast, you can just uh, click the link in our Instagram bio. And our email is ebonhawkpodcast at gmail.com. And you are welcome to email us your questions and business inquiries there. And then if you want to talk to me, you can find me on Instagram and Twitch just by searching Conan Bond. Typically, if you want to talk to me live on Twitch, um, just uh, keep an eye on the Twitter. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Alistair Shorman, and he can be found at alistairsounds.wixsite.com forward slash alistairsounds. Our transition music was composed by Christian Walker, and he can be found at christianwalkermusic.com. This has been the Ebonhawk Podcast, and may the force be with you. We'll be back soon. Bye for now. Thank you.